0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Begin Again The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teachings about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of several books published by the Crossroads Publishing Company on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the Spiritual Teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Begin Again, The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Gallagher, you're introducing us to an incredible individual who for such a long time has been known rather well by his community that he founded, but not so much by the rest of the world. And it's an opportunity for us to really learn so much about the entire life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri.
1: Well, he's never been accessible in English except in a very limited way. And I think that's the service of this particular book, Begin Again, it came about because the numbers of English-speaking members of our community around the world have been growing considerably in the last 20, 30 years. So there was an increasing need just for the members themselves, like Franciscans, to be able to know something about St. Francis, so for the Oblates of the Virgin Mary to know more about their founder, the Venerable Anteri. But in the process, what we're all discovering, and what I felt deeply in the actual writing of the book these past five years was how timely Venerable Anne Terry's life is and how much it has to say to us today. I just had an email from a woman who read the book. She put into words what I was thinking myself as the writing went along, you know, that this is a man who needs to be canonized, needs to be there before us because um, he has so much to say to us today. Now, in declaring him venerable in 1965, Pope Paul VI was declaring that this is a life that is heroically holy, uh, a model for us in many ways in Christian virtue. What we're waiting for now is the miracle that will allow him to be declared blessed. But yes, I, I think he has a lot to say to us today.
0: In our previous conversation, we explored the life of someone who would be very influential in the young Bruno's experience, and that was Father D. Spock. But in this particular segment, we thought we would go back to the beginnings of Bruno's life And what helped to shape him in that nucleus of the family?
1: The dominant influence, I would say, was the unquestioned, sincere faith of both of his parents. We don't really know too much about his mother, other than the basic dates of her her life, and the fact that she was a very sincere Catholic. We know a little bit more about her father, Pietro, who was a doctor and a very well-respected doctor. Uh, authored one book at least that we still have today, a very uh, deeply dedicated Catholic, so that the young Bruno and his brothers and sisters grew up in a a very strong Catholic family. In the first years of his life, uh, and this would not remain the case later on, he lived in a time of peace, and the family as a doctor's family was moderately well-to-do, so it was a comfortable, stable life in his first years. Although very early on, he became accustomed to death, striking those very close to him. His mother died when he was four. He was the seventh of ten, and in uh, childbirth, uh, giving birth to her tenth child, so when the uh, young Bruno was four years old, uh, she she died. So he lost his mother at the age of four. Five of the ten died in very early age. Infant mortality was much higher than, than today. And it's one of the odd twists of his life that... These were children of a man who was a doctor and a good one. So much illness and death struck that family. So he grew up in a setting which allowed deep roots of faith to to be built up, probably went through the normal course of what would correspond to our grade school and high school. Later on in the wars that swept through with the French Revolution, all of the records were destroyed, but it's reasonable to assume that he would have done that. At the age of 13, as was the custom in his time, he made his fir- his confirmation and also his first communion would have been around that time. as the, That was the way it was done. By the time he was 17, he already had a clear sense that God was calling him. His first intuition was to religious life and priesthood and a contemplative religious life as a Carthusian, which is about the most rigorous form of contemplative life in the church of silence uh, almost all week long, a very austere, penitential lifestyle, a life of prayer and work. And it only took the superior of monastery eight days to see that, with all his goodwill, this young man simply didn't have the health to live that rigorous lifestyle. And so after only eight days, he returned home. But that's our first sign, uh, at, already at the age of 17, he has a very clear sense of God's calling him to the consecrated life and to the priesthood.
0: It really is a great example, too, of how faith can turn and kind of nurture a family, especially one that is in that crucible of suffering in so many ways, losing a parent, the the struggles of also losing siblings, and just the challenges of everyday life. Without that element of faith, it can potentially turn the family and the children from that family into um, ones who grow in despair instead of ones that are seeking hope.
1: That's very true, Chris, that human tragedy struck this family repeatedly and very early on in the uh, young Bruno's life and lived on the level of faith What would have been otherwise simple human tragedy became a stepping stone to newness in the spiritual life. One very evident example of this is that at the death of his mother, in ways, the details of which we are not familiar, his father brought him before the Blessed Virgin Mary and indicated that from now on she would be his mother. And he evidently took that very deeply to heart because she would be the defining maternal presence in his life from that time on. I think in an earlier conversation, I quoted the lines that he said in the latter years of his life. He died at the age 71, shortly before his death. A few times said to one of his fellow priests that he had hardly ever known any other mother than Mary and had never received anything but caresses from so good a mother. Because he had a deeply believing father... With the help of his father, he was able to, to live something that was would have been otherwise simple tragedy as the beginning of a new spiritual reality in his life and one that would sustain him. We'll see as we work through his life in our conversations that what began as a life marked by human suffering remained that throughout the entirety of his life. I, I mentioned that it took the superior just eight days to realize that this young man's health was too weak to sustain the contemplative Carthusian life. But the weaknesses that we learn about for the first time when he's 17, which was a weakness of the eyes and a weakness of the chest, a kind of asthma or an impression of the chest that would leave him prostrate at times with any kind of physical effort. And then, of course, the later persecutions of the Church that he would live through together with the Church in the wake of the Revolution. Throughout all of this, there was always a thread of tenderness there was always a thread of warmth and that's what mary was for him throughout his life i'm sure that he forever blessed his father who was able to help his son lift up to the to the level of faith a trial in his life in a way that would forever bless him uh, throughout the journey of life
0: praise be to god for the great advances in medical care that we have so that our families are not suffering to the extent that those did hundreds of years ago. However, there is something now in the modern family where there is still a great deal of suffering because of the tensions and the separations. and In many cases, the divorce and the splintering of the family where the children in, in some ways in the heart are experiencing what the young Bruno did and How wonderful, as you said, that the Father, even in in the midst of that suffering, turned to Our Lady. Wouldn't it be wonderful if many of the the parents, grandparents, and even children who may hear this, turned to Mary in their suffering, as he did, and to learn from that and grow?
1: I think we see this a lot in the uh, younger generation today. And by, by that I mean young men and women as they reach their later 20s into their 30s. And they've been wounded in this way, as so often happens, sadly so often happens in in our culture today. And discover, after a lot of searching, that other resources simply don't fill the emptiness, don't supply the meaning that they so deeply need. And then discover or rediscover, on a very heartfelt level, the strength that comes from faith, the support that comes from the truth in Jesus Christ and the strength that comes from being part of a believing community. As you point out so well, the young Bruno was blessed to have that given to him through the faith of his father at such a young age, at age four. That gift can, can come at any time. Uh, you know, we're calling this book, um, the title of this book is exactly Begin Again, which would be one of the, uh, the great teachings of the Venerable Antary, which supplied hope to countless men and women women as he worked with them throughout his life. That's always open to us. That was his great teaching that there is never any time that can ever, or situation in life that can ever hinder us from simply turning toward God and beginning again. What a blessing if a member of the family, a parent, a sibling, a grandparent, a cousin, or a friend can help be that kind of presence for the person who is struggling that mediates faith, that mediates the support and warmth and strength that can come through faith. One of the many fruits of the goodness of Pietro Lanteri as a father for his son was that the young Bruno deeply imbibed then and retained throughout all of his life a great love for fatherhood. The word father meant something very strong and faithful and supportive and merciful and loving for him. Later on, he would be blessed to have a spiritual father who would reinforce the gift of fatherhood even more deeply in his life. And that will, would lead him to see God as father with all of those connotations of one who, who loves us deeply, who understands us, whose mercy and forgiveness is always there whenever we need it, who never gets tired. This is something that Venerable Antares would say over and over again, who never gets tired of the failures of his children and is always there ready to give forgiveness as it's needed but not grudgingly willingly joyfully with great delight in strengthening the weakness or healing the wound in his sons and daughters to be that kind of presence for as a father for a child or or a mother or any family member is a great gift not only in the moment but because it also opens up doors to an understanding of God in the tenderness and the fidelity and the love of God so that those gifts are always available where faith is present in times of struggle.
0: And the encouragement to be able to try something tough, as it were, as you said in in joining the Carthusians, but being able to in that discovery, in that process of discerning, whether this was right for him, the community, as well as his own returning home. It, it, there was no shame in the return home.
1: The information that we have about this episode in the Venerable Terry's life is limited, so that we really just know the basic facts of what happened. The rest is, we have to surmise. I, I think it's not hard, and we're not going to be far from the truth, to... Perceive in this a deep disappointment in the young Bruno. Imagine sharing with your family uh, your sense of a call to religious life. The family growing accustomed to that. From the little that we do know about this, it was not easy for his father, to, as faith-filled as he was, to say yes to his son's apparent call to the Carthusian contemplative life. He could see the giftedness in his son. His his son was intelligent. He had great capabilities. He was very at home in mathematical studies. His father uh, could easily see a very rich future for him in those fields. But his father was a faith-filled man above all, and convinced of his son's vocation, of his desire at least to give that um, a very real try, said yes to it. So all of this is in place. Bruno is accepted at the monastery He leaves home, and eight eight days later, he's back. I wonder what the moment must have been like for him when somewhere within those eight days, the superior would have called him, sat down with him, and shared his sense that um, there really was no point in continuing this effort, the struggles that would have been in his heart, the confusion. I've been to see that monastery on a few occasions. It's a, a lovely sight A couple of pictures of it in the biography begin again, nestled up against the foothills of the Alps and at the end of a valley. And the church is still there. It's not hard to imagine him going into that church, confused, uncertain of what would lie ahead, aware of the burden of having to share with his father and his family that things so quickly had not worked out. And yet, as so often in life, what seems to us a closed door, or a situation in which we're convinced that we now see the next step, something on which we've set all of our hopes, and toward which the path now seems to lie open and clear, when all of that is undone, through all of that, God is leading to, to something greater. But in the moment, it would have been hard for him to see that. He simply quietly returns home, and somewhere within that next year comes to clarity about the next step, that... God is calling him to be a diocesan priest. But through all of that confusion and struggle, his discernment is taking place. It's not a nice, neat, easy process for him, but he stays the course, and God gets him where God wants him in life.
0: We'll return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Counsels of Mercy, an excerpt from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary.
1: Above all, I recommend with all my heart that you guard against discouragement, disturbance, and sadness. Seek always to keep your poor heart in peace and encourage it, and always to serve God with holy joy. Be of good heart, because the Lord is with you and He loves you.
0: For more excerpts from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit discerninghearts.com.
1: Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world. listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future
0: please consider rating us and writing a positive review today a prayer for the intercession of venerable bruno lanteri O father fountain of all life and holiness You gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the Church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, Grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher. There's something to be said, isn't there, Father Gallagher, for those moments where we feel we're responding to our prompting of the Lord. We feel that this is that our hearts are desiring this, so we go and we try it. And as you've said, it, it doesn't doesn't work out. And instead of feeling the crushing of a defeat, it's more of a maybe it's something that comes later in life, I'm not sure, but there would be a reason, you would understand that that didn't work out, but it taught us something about ourselves, about God, about the situation. Inevitably, will there will be a nugget to it.
1: There's a sincerity in his effort and conviction of following along the road that the Lord wants for him, which almost assures, and God's providence certainly does assure, that some kind of fruit would come from this. And there would be a follow-up on this in his life. He would never lose his love for the contemplative side of life, and in fact, when he would found his religious community, the oblates of the Virgin Mary, he would want them to be when they are outside the residence of the community, like apostles who have have given their lives for the sake of Christ, active, engaged in people's lives, preaching, bringing mercy through the sacraments, and the rest. But once they would return back into the residence, he would say to be like hermits, like solitary men, like, like contemplatives, whose life is given to silence, prayer, and study in a way that renews and deepens their relationship with the Lord and their readiness for ministry. And in a way, we can almost look at the time that would come later, which would also come as a tragedy to him when because of his support of the Holy Father, Pius VII, who was imprisoned by Napoleon at the time, he was himself arrested, interrogated, and exiled from his home and his ministry. His bishop in the city of Turin was ordered by the French authorities to rescind Father Lentieri's faculties to hear confessions, do ministry in public, and he was exiled to a country residence that he had outside the city of Turin. In the state of Rhodes at that time, it was a real exile. He was really isolated. It meant the death of his ministry at the moment. And yet, the three years that he would spend there until Napoleon's fall in 1814 would become the contemplative space in his life. They would be the three years in which, in the inability to perform active ministry, his whole life became centered on a deep study, especially through the writings of St. Bonaventure, of God and our relationship with God and our faith, hours and hours spent in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, the chapel that he had, not far from his room, right within that very residence, so that it almost seems as though God, enclosing one door at one state in his life, with a thirst that was unsatisfied at that time, at a later point in his lo- life, found in God's providence, a way for that thirst to be satisfied deeply. And in fact, in writing the biography, you sense at that point in his life, when those three years of really contemplative life uh, take place, you see the deepening that takes place. He always was a man of prayer, but it gets deeper and and richer. So that the story isn't over when the door that we thought was the door through which God was leading us proves shut. God has other ways of satisfying the desires that He's awakened in our hearts. And you really see that in the life of the Venerable and Terry.
0: What a, a wonderful saint to pray with in those moments in our lives when we so sincerely believe something was supposed to be the way we thought it was going to be. And it turned out differently. That if we can be still and patient that somehow, potentially, uh, revealing to us how that ends up connecting in our life in some way.
1: Well, I think that's why it's so helpful for us to read the lives of holy men and women recognized by the Church's canonization process in its various stages like that, because as we look back, we can see the whole story. Young Bruno, at the age of 17, didn't know what lay ahead. All he would have seen in the moment was the human disappointment of the door shutting. But we can follow up on his story, and we can see how the fact that that door shut meant that he would later go to Turin, meet Father Diesbach, and his whole life would take a different course and become a great blessing for many uh, down through the decades that would follow. In our own lives, we don't know the rest of the story. You know, all we know is the story up to this point, so that if a door shuts, that's all we see at the moment. But to have looked at the lives of holy men and women before us, in which we can see how God continues the journey and how the door that shuts at one point opens to much wider door later in their lives, I think is very encouraging for us now because it gives us hope that in our lives too, the door that today is shutting is actually a stepping stone toward a wider door that God is going to open along the way in our lives. Having seen it in others, it gets easier for us to hope for that in our own lives, too.
0: I think that's one of the great blessings from the teachings that you've passed along to us that have come from the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, in that if we can just take time to pause, to be aware, to understand, then to either take action or not to take action, but the, the sense of it is that in every moment of those type of, can we say, opportunities, they are challenges, that taking a pause and it going against what our emotions would drive us towards.
1: Pope Francis, in one of his daily homilies, spoke about the discernment of spirits, which is what you're referring to in the teaching of, of St. Ignatius, that be aware of what's going on in our hearts and thoughts, work with it till we understand its spiritual meaning. What is of God we take action in accepting, and what is not of God we reject. And he was commenting on the fact that in his first letter, John repeats over and over and over again the injunction to remain in Christ. You know, remain in Him, remain in Him, remain in Him. Then asks the question, how can we do that in everyday living? and says that discernment of spirits is the answer. Of course, he's a Jesuit. He knows uh, this teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola. That is, that we need to be vigilant, to be watching what's going on in our hearts, and able to discern what in all of that stirring is of God and should be followed and will lead us to remain in Christ, and what in all of what stirs within us, attractions, resistances, and the rest, is not of God, and so if we do follow, it will lead us away from remaining in Christ. So yes, very much As in the measure in which we live, as Jesus says in the Gospels, with vigilance, watchful, attentive, we will increasingly be able to follow where the Lord is really leading in our lives. So that the connection that you're making, Chris, between one door shutting as a prelude to greater door opening in our lives, is very much linked with that kind of vigilance, that kind of prayerful awareness, and all the tools that we have in in our faith to put us in touch with where the Lord is in the events in our lives, all of that's going to help a great deal.
0: As that door shut for the young Bruno, how then did the other door open that led him to Turin?
1: Somewhere in the course of the year that he spent at home. With the awareness now that contemplative life would not be possible for him for physical reasons, somewhere in his prayer and reflection, again we don't have the details of this in any day-by-day way, led him to the conviction that God indeed wanted him to be a priest, but as a diocesan priest. And so he approached his own bishop, the bishop of the diocese to which his native town of Cuneo belonged, and asked for permission to assume clerical dress, to begin to wear the cassock, which was the sign of a young man who was on his way toward priesthood, beginning his studies toward priesthood. Was granted that permission by the bishop, and when he was eighteen, left his native Cuneo for the larger city of Turin, the capital of his nation, the Kingdom of Piedmont. And enrolled in studies in the University of Turin, the studies that would lead him, would prepare him for priesthood. And that set the stage then for the decisive event in his life, as some of the biographers call it, which would be the meeting with Father Diesbach that would take place in Turin. Now, Father Diesbach was there in Turin at the time, no longer a Jesuit, because the Pope, giving in to the pressure of Sadly, the Catholic monarchs of Europe had suppressed the Jesuits so that Father Diesbach was now himself essentially a diocesan priest, continuing his works and trying to supply for the kind of work he'd been doing as a Jesuit, very active in, uh, in Turin, and toward whom many people gravitated because of the goodness and the charm and the fascination really of his story and his life and who he was. And it was in this ambiance, the young Bruno studying as a seminarian at the University of Turin, and Father Diesbach there very actively involved in a many-faceted ministry, that sets the stage for the meeting of the two.
0: And that will be our open door for our conversation next time we meet.
1: Yes, that would be the door that would open far wider than anything Bruno could have ever imagined at that point in his life.
0: You've been listening to Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it on the free Discerning Hearts app, located in the iTunes or Google Play stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Begin Again. The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher.